Welcome to McKinsey on Startups, a series focused on helping entrepreneurs and investors accelerate growth. Brought to you by Fuel, the firm's startup practice. Each episode, McKinsey editor Daniel Eisenberg speaks with founders, investors, and industry experts to share the latest perspectives across borders and sectors. Hello and welcome to McKinsey on Startups. I'm Daniel Eisenberg. If you've noticed what seems to be even more delivery trucks crowding streets these days, you're not alone. E-commerce was already growing at a healthy, rapid clip before the pandemic. But the lockdowns, quarantines, remote work, and other social restrictions or limitations ushered in by COVID have further fueled society's shift to online shopping and ordering. And since someone has to deliver all those packages all hours of the day or night, our city streets often feel more traffic clogged now than ever before. That isn't just an annoyance for other urban drivers, of course. Whether idling at the curb or slogging through traffic, those commercial trucks are a major source of the emissions and pollutants that contribute to global warming. And while automakers such as Tesla have begun to bring electric cars into the mainstream, that kind of sustainability revolution has yet to take hold in any significant way in the commercial trucking sector. Carl Magnus Norden is one of the people trying to remake that reality. Norden, a serial entrepreneur, has previously worked across Europe in everything from electric vehicles and real estate to private equity and internet services. Is the founder and executive chairman of Volta Trucks, an electric truck manufacturer and services provider based in Sweden, France, and the UK. Over the last few years, Volta has developed its Volta Zero, which it describes as the world's first purpose-built, full-electric, 16-ton commercial truck, designed specifically for freight distribution in city centers. Norden's goal isn't just to improve the sustainability of cities, but also the safety of their streets and the truck drivers themselves. The Volta truck is expressly engineered to help protect those who interact with the vehicle, from pedestrians to cyclists, while at the same time increasing the well-being of those who drive it. We are excited to have Carl Magnus Norden on the podcast today. Carl Magnus, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. What is the problem that you are trying to solve with Volta Trucks? We're building an electric truck with new services, what we call Truck as a Service. The problems we're trying to solve is, first of all, CO2 emissions, but also a lot of other pollutants in the cities, NOx, noise, shakings, and things like that. In life in the cities, uncomfortable or less safe. We are also finding that there is a big driver shortage in the industry. We're trying to make the driver profession and the work environment for the driver healthier, safer, and nicer. Also, if we looked at the cities, globally, the accident rates between trucks and pedestrians and bikers are horribly high. In London, 4% of the traffic are trucks are involved in 78% of fatal accidents with bikers. That is horrible. Can we mitigate some of that? But this is an industry that the trucks really have to work every day. So it's important that the people operating them understand the technology. There is a resistance to change. And we try to mitigate with the service model that we are developing. Your Volta Zero is focused on the last mile delivery inside city centers. Is that right? It's not about long haul trucking. Exactly. What we are looking at is inner city distribution. We're very focused. We're only electric. We are only city center distribution. And we're also only mid-range between seven and a half ton and 19 ton. You talk about the Volta Zero being the first purpose-built all-electric. What is different about your approach to this problem in terms of trucking from traditional OEMs 
that might be looking at the same space? Most people or the big existing manufacturers are seeing there is trend. There is electric and CO2 reduction that is important. But they are obviously more stuck in legacy design. And the advantage of being small is really we have been able to start from a blank sheet of paper with electric drive as the base, which means that we have our motor on the rear axle. We have the batteries within the ladder frame under the box, which means that we have complete freedom to redesign the cab. That's the big difference from anybody taking a legacy design. The normal truck that you see in the cities, which is based on diesel combustion engine, is very logical, the design. The diesel engine is a big piece of metal. The gearbox is another big piece of metal. You want to maximize the load space, so you push this forward, which means that you have this big piece of metal in the middle of the cab. You basically design the cab around it. Where the driver then comes up, you will see it on the sides of the ladder going up. For distribution traffic, that is very bad because they maybe have to get out of this track 15, 20, 25 times a day. Uh, most of them, of course, climb up, but they jump down. So after a few years in the business, many drivers have problems with knees, hips and joints. It's also due to this big piece of metal in the middle. You always have to exit the track into the traffic. We're taking away this big piece of metal which means that we can put the driver in the center of the cab, being able to exit on both sides. If you look at our design, we have maximized the glazing to minimize the blind spots because this high position in a normal truck creates blind spots in front of the truck, on the curb side of the truck. With our design, we try to minimize the blind spots, of course, try to reduce the accidents. The best is direct eye contact between the driver and the pedestrian and the biker. And the best eye height of the driver is really the same as a normal pedestrian or biker. The ideal should be somewhere 170, 180 centimeters off the ground. So that's where we position our driver. I've watched some of the videos of the prototypes. It's really quite a stunning, futuristic looking vehicle. Let's talk briefly about your past experiences and how they led you to founding Volta. Obviously, you've worked before in the electric vehicle space. I've been a serial entrepreneur more than 30 years. Some of the ventures quite successful and some less so. Uh, but the important thing is you learn something from everything you try. From my point of view, if you want to launch something new, you of course have to see some new trend or something changing in the market. Uh, and that's where you should start. Uh, in this case, the starting point was really when Elon Musk launched the Model 3, which was 1st of April 2016. And we all know what happened. I mean, hundreds of thousands of orders in a few weeks' time. The whole car industry came to the car show in Paris in September of the same year and said, we should do something with electric cars. Uh, so the car industry started to listen and move. Now we see more and more of these coming to the market with a normal five-year development cycle of four years. On the truck side, much less has happened. The more I learn about the industry, the more I understand why it's taking time. So I would say that we all have this globe together. And obviously with climate change, it's not going in the right direction. 
CO2 emission, I think nobody is doubting it anymore, has an impact on this. When you listen to politicians, they often say we should do something, but they talk about 2030 or 2045 or something like that. There is an opportunity to do something much faster than that, come to the market as quickly as possible, have an impact as quickly as possible. Every truck that we can replace, we do a little bit of contribution. If you go from one to 10, it's 10 times more. If you go to 100, it's 100 times more, and hopefully in the thousands. Start small and try to make an impact. Uh, that has been our mantra from the beginning. And that is leading us to our development methods. We are not a research project. We are not something that maybe in 10 years' time will work or will not work. We try to use technology that is existing, best in class, but existing and proven, so we could come to the market as quickly as possible. Over time, of course, we can develop this much more, but short-term, trucks in the depots of customers as soon as possible. Then, of course, as an entrepreneur, you have to see, can this make sense from a business point of view? Uh, and that is something we have tried to test with customers from very early. And I think we have got a very good reception. So we're quite confident that this would be also sustainable and good business. When you look at the wider industry, the e-truck space evolving, do you feel that the industry or at least traditional players are moving fast enough given what we've talked about on climate change? No, definitely not. Electric is obviously a lot of things they don't know and they are not very good at producing at the moment. Also, any truck that you're selling is cannibalizing on a diesel truck and so on. So I understand very well why they go slow. Nobody so far in this industry have basically kick-started or been the catalyst for change. I hope that everybody of the big OEMs, our competitors, so to speak, would go into electrification much quicker than they're doing. It's also a fact that most of them, the biggest part of their business, firstly, is long haul, where I think still it's less viable with electric. Also, as you probably know, a lot of their revenue and their profit is from after-sales services, so service and maintenance and spare parts and so on. Electric is much less moving parts. There will be a lesser need of service, maintenance, spare parts, and so on is cannibalizing a very good profit stream for them that exists today. So they need to rethink a lot of the business model. Obviously, they have to rethink and retool their engine factories or the motor factories, and retraining personnel, the sales organization, the service organization, etc. So that creates an opportunity for us. Uh, but I hope, as I said, that they will follow as quickly as possible. In terms of Tesla and electric cars, what ways does the e-truck space differ from the general electric vehicle market? You read the statistics that a normal car is only used 3-4% of the time. With trucks, it's a working tool. They should work every day, whatever, 300 days a year or something when they operate. If your Tesla or your electric car or any car is not working, one day, you some cases have a second car, you can take the bus, you can take the metro, you can take a taxi or something. A truck not working is obviously lost revenue from the first minute. The stakes are higher 
for the customers than for a car buyer. That's why I'm saying the reluctance or the risk awareness of going from a technology that most operators know very well, how to run a diesel fleet, to an electric fleet with quite a lot of unknown battery capacity and charging time and battery lifetime and all these things. So there is a natural reluctance to take that perceived risk. And that is what we try to mitigate with our track as a service concept. You talked about the OEMs and trucking being somewhat tradition bound. I'm wondering if that applies also to the the folks who do the trucking, the fleets or the companies, and if that makes it at all hard to break into with such a fundamentally different approach as the Volta Zero. That is one of the most positive parts of when I've launched this business. I have launched several businesses and I have not in any of them had the same support from customers. Many of them really want to help. The starting point for that is we have a common goal. We will bring down the CO2 emissions. Hopefully we can make a dent at the global warming. Then, of course, we have to explain why this is good for them. What are the advantages? How do we mitigate the risk? But I think we have developed quite a holistic view. And something I've learned over 30 years of entrepreneurial activities is to try to go out and talk to the customers as early as possible in the process. So when I had this idea, the first thing I did in Sweden was talking to the major fleet operators and getting their input. Uh, That's how I learned about the driver shortage. That's how I learned about after-sales service question and uptime questions, etc. And then when we started to focus on the biggest cities in Europe, Paris and London, I did the same uh, talking. And even when we developed the design, we had customers coming in to get feedback and, of course, engagement from an early stage. That we're trying to pursue all the time. Uh, we are now looking forward. We're going to do a test series and we're doing beta versions and so on. And all that is trying to get them into customers' hands as quickly as possible for them to learn, but, of course, for us to get feedback into our process and how can we improve. There's probably lots of improvements we can do over time, but we want to do it together with the customers. I would assume that there's also a push coming from the retail customers that they deal with, whose interest in sustainability is growing. I'm interested in any trends in regulation around emissions and sustainability and how much that has fueled your journey, especially of late. Definitely important. In Europe, we see that Paris has a diesel ban as of 1st of January 2024. That is definitely making them more alert to alternatives. Paris has gone more the route of banning, while London, for example, is more going the route of making it more expensive. And right now, what we are seeing is that the ban has the best effect. If that is short-term or long-term, I don't know. We, of course, see subsidies from some governments or local governments. All that helps, no doubt. But especially over the last year, I'm meeting more and more customers that are saying, we have put our internal targets. You know, by 2025, we should have reduced so and so much, or we should have replaced the whole fleet. It's not only the customer's customer, the retail chains, etc. It's even themselves. And then, of course, in the end, it comes from the public, putting pressure on the retail chains, 
who put some pressure on upstream, basically. And in the end, luckily enough, it helps us. What about the increase in online shopping and corresponding package deliveries? I would assume this continuing shift is an additional driver because I know cities both in the United States and Europe and Asia are dealing with growing truck traffic in terms of just the growth in deliveries. Overall, it's good. It's more convenient for people. What the short term is doing is increasing the number of transport, especially with smaller trucks. In Europe, there is a dividing line at three and a half ton. Below that, you can drive on a B license like a car driver. And above that is a truck license. As there is a shortage of these truck drivers, the easy way out is to buy two or three smaller trucks and obviously have more people driving around, which creates congestion and so on. So that is in a way a problem with e-commerce. We are seeing more and more customers coming to us then and saying, okay, how do we change this pattern? Can we drive with a 16-ton truck or something to a point in the city where you may be the last mile or last 100 meters or transport by a cargo bike? The short term is almost increasing the number of trucks in the market. I think long term, the cities that we talk to are looking at these alternatives. Over a few years time, it will stabilize and having fewer trucks, but a little bit bigger going into the city. Let's talk about the economics briefly, the total cost of ownership issue. Are we close to a point where you won't pay a premium for electric vehicle trucks? And how is that changing? Is it more advanced, lower cost materials to balance the relatively high battery costs? What else is driving that equation? As you say, battery prices is, of course, a big factor. If you look at the last few years, battery prices have come down quite significantly. So the capital cost in the beginning is higher, but energy, obviously, electricity instead of diesel is cheaper, less maintenance. We will have a fully connected truck, so we think we also can get lower insurance premiums and things like that. We will have driver training between a skilled driver driving the electric truck and more the traditional way, you can save 25-30% on your energy bill. So there is quite a lot of improvements to do. In our business case, we want to be fully TCO competitive by 2025. In some cases, of course, with subsidies in the cities, we can be it already. Also, if we look at Europe compared to the US, Diesel prices are higher or more tax in Europe. We've become cost competitive a little bit earlier. And so it's many factors. Also, of course, we will scale economy. We should also be able to reduce prices and costs. And how much of a challenge is charging stations long term? I think your model is that, you know, one charge should suffice for a day or a certain amount of the day's deliveries from the Volta Zero. But is that an issue that you have to plan for longer term and how do you plan to address it? Our concept is back to base. Basically, the truck is coming back to the depot or the base in the evening. Uh, It's then loaded during the night or the early morning hours and then the driver is driving his tour during the day. Uh, So the charging infrastructure should be in the depot. And in some cases, right now in most market, the trucks are standing still for eight hours, up to 10 hours a night. So slow charging, 22 kilowatt hours is good enough. 
And in some cities like Stockholm, you're not allowed to drive distribution traffic between 10 o'clock in the evening and six in the morning. So you have to be standing still. Uh, of course, with lower noise levels, maybe the operators could have another night shift, which in principle, if we go back to congestion, would be better for the cities. Some of our customers have done studies of distributing during the night, and they say they can increase the efficiency up to 70%. That would lead to, of course, more need for fast charging. But right now, the norm is slow charging and the infrastructure in the depot. I don't see in our business case any shortage of charging infrastructure. In our business case, I don't think it will have a big impact. Let's talk a little bit about what you guys call the truck as a service model or TAS. Tell us a little more about how you think this will help fleet customers and how this asset light strategy helps Volta Trucks in terms of competing in the e-truck space. It all comes out of my initial research, because the first question I got was really the price. And the second question following very quickly, how is your after-sales service? As I said before, uptime is key for these customers. So we are saying, okay, what parts of a service offering is already existing? The insurance is, of course, the market already, finance is the market already. Even when it comes to tire changing or glass changing and things like that, that's an existing industry. We don't have to create an industry there. We can work with very good partners. But when it comes to the drivetrain, the batteries, the motor, etc., that's new. There is nobody else out there that are professional at that. So that is what we want to do ourselves. How do we do this? Because that means that we have to set up our own service centers. And setting up pan-European or global or pan-US service network is obviously a very big job. But the beauty for us is that the distribution traffic, say in Paris, the trucks are driving more or less the same route every day, year in, year out. It's quite well forecasted. Also, this industry in the biggest cities are quite clustered. Northwest of Paris, you have a center of logistics companies in a place called Chenevier. And in the south, you have the food industry around the food market in Rangis. To be close to our customers, we can set up two service centers. It's not that one of these trucks suddenly take off to Lyon or to Marseille or something. So we have to service them there. That is a benefit of the structure of the industry which means that we can be the closest to our customers. Our ambition is definitely to have the highest service level in the industry. Does this model enable Volta to tap into new small or medium enterprise customer bases in terms of the support in their electrification journey? Yeah, sure. The ambition with our financing part of TAS is not a big capital purchase day one and then amortization of that or depreciation, but a monthly fee over a long-term period. We're looking at a seven-year contract period, but a similar predictable monthly charge. And that, of course, offloads for the smaller companies with less strong balance sheets some of the risks. Earlier this year, you completed a funding round. What do you think was key for achieving this milestone? And what does it mean for Volta trucks going forward? We have to say that we have quite strong tailwinds when it comes to global warming. 
but also quite a lot of the investment community is starting to see that ESG investments, more sustainable investments, have a future. It's not a nice to have, it's almost a must have. So that has helped us. Timing then, you have to launch a venture early, but not too early. So the last year or even during the COVID has changed a little bit the mindset with a lot of people. They understand that sustainability is something that we have to work on all together. Was it particularly challenging to do your fundraising during the pandemic? I guess I thought that perhaps some investors would like to have an up-close view of a prototype or the technology, and that might have been impossible to pull off. That is very correct. We launched our prototype, we're running them in September of last year, and we could show it in the UK because it's built in the UK, but we couldn't take it over to the continent. So coming March, we said we have to you know, show it around. So we have done a roadshow. We have been to Paris, we have been to Madrid, Barcelona, Milano, and up to Germany, Frankfurt, and Munich. And that was kind of a game changer when the people actually could sit in the truck, see what we talked about, more on the customer side than on the investor side. But definitely that has been very important for us. Just to clarify, in terms of your guys' delivery schedule and the timeline right now for actually getting the zero out in the market, where does that stand? By the end of this year, we're doing 25 vehicles. Eight of them are actually going to customers and the others are for internal testing. The first eight are not going out, well, throw away your diesel truck and here you have one of ours. It's much more getting to the customers to see it, the drivers to drive it. And of course, for us to get a lot of customer feedback. Uh, so that is the first step that is starting in the end of this year and rolling into January, February next year. And then by the fourth quarter next year, we should start zero production. By end of next year, our planning is to have about 100 trucks with customers. They should be in operation. And then scaling from there, 2023, our ambition is about 5,000 trucks. It's escalating from there. Are you targeting specific cities in Europe or is it fairly broad? And is the U.S. or parts of Asia in your longer term plans? As I said, in the beginning, we want to build our own service center. And also, if we look at an impact point of view, the bigger the cities, the bigger the problems. We also want to have a decent critical mass in each city we set up. So we start with London and Paris. We are now already decided to go to Madrid, Milano, the Rhine-Ruhr area in Germany, and the Flemish Diamond, so Amsterdam and Rotterdam, etc. And we want to be operational there by 2023. Uh, then 2024, 2025, we're looking at the US. Uh, obviously, there are some very big cities there as well. And then Asia, we have not focused so much on. Yeah, those should be more than enough to keep you busy. As a lifelong New Yorker, I would say that the city is particularly ripe for this kind of product. I know, especially during the pandemic, continuing the growth in deliveries and truck traffic and subsequent safety problems, bicycle and pedestrian deaths have been growing. Both the congestion and the safety issues make a city like New York, from a congestion standpoint, probably more comparable to a European city, particularly ripe for a product like the Zero. Reflecting a little bit on your journey so far, what have been the biggest challenges to scaling that you've had to overcome? Of course, if you have customers wanting your products, you have to produce. 
So the next step is obviously where should we produce our tracks? And we are now in the absolutely final stages of selecting a partner. But similar to when I talked about the supply chain generally, we have said there are other people that have done this for a long time. They're probably even better than we would be. And definitely time to market. We should go with what they call a contract manufacturer. So somebody that already has produced vehicles, have the installations, the buildings, etc. As I said, time to market and also asset light. Is there anything particular about being an early stage entrepreneur when you're trying to disrupt big players in a long established industry? Is there advice you might give to other early stage entrepreneurs who are trying to make a similar disruption? Well, coming back to what I said before, I think there should be an underlying change. If we would go back 15 years and I wanted to start a new diesel truck company, I honestly think even with the best ambitions, you would not be very successful. So it's this change of the industry that is the embryo, I think, to be able to get in there and make an impact. Because the big ones have a big machinery. As long as the road is relatively straight, the machinery works well. They are very good at fine-tuning that machinery. The diesel engines has been improved over the years and years and years. Lots of very good engineers, you know, doing incremental improvements. But they are less good at the big shift, much less when it comes to really big change in the environment. We have a lot of big OEMs there that have very sophisticated models. They know it very well. Uh, but the more they know it, the more resistant they are to change. So you have a chance to sneak in there and make an impact. Right. You need an external shift to help with your own disruption, really. Something seriously shaking up the playing field, so to speak. Yeah. When I started this, it had to have a potential impact big enough to get me excited, if you see what I mean. This is an all-in uh, but if we are successful, we can also have an enormous impact. And that is challenging and hopefully rewarding. Speaking of impact, do you have a longer term vision for where you see Volta Trucks, I don't know, five, 10 years from now in terms of where it is and what you've achieved by then? In our space, we are quite niched, as I said, but I think in our niche, we have definitely the possibility to become a global leader. And we hope with that to be a little bit of catalyst for the rest of the industry to go in the more environmental friendly direction. And hopefully then we should still be close to our customers. We should try to find solutions and make products and services that service our customers as well as we can. If we have that focus, we will continue to be successful and continue producing trucks more and more and saving the environment at the same time. Right. And are there different kinds of innovations, whether technical or otherwise, that you can foresee down the road in the electric vehicle space, the e-truck space, or specifically for Volta? I don't know how long it'll take for trucking medium to long haul to shift to some kind of electrical base. I think right now the technology, the battery technology is good enough for short range or short medium or whatever. We're talking about up to 200 kilometers a day, which is for most of our customers more than enough. 
If you then go to the medium range, I think the only way that that can be serviced is that the battery technology is improving. I think we will see an enormous development of battery technology over the next few years. I compare it a little bit with semiconductors, and we know what has happened that over the years. The market has grown, prices have gone down, and technology has developed. So I expect something similar with the battery technology. And that is obviously the base for longer and longer distances. Personally, I don't believe in electric roads or those kind of in-motion charging or, or things like that. If we go back to a little bit what you asked about how we want to develop, we're trying to build in three phases. The first one is really what you have seen. It's the design, it's the comfort for the drivers and the safety for everybody around it. That takes us a couple of years down the road. Uh, after that, our service model, like a lot of other as-a-service products, I think the market will see that this is much better than what they are used to. Sometimes I compare with internet services 20 years ago when you launched an internet service, you didn't know if you would have one user the day after or 100,000. The big question was how many services should we buy? Today, that's not an issue anymore. And I think the same thing with what we are doing. So I think the service model, when the customers really see how much better it is for them, I think it would be a big strength for us. In the third phase, I think the data that we are generating, with that data, we can do a lot of improvements for our customers. Tesla has a fantastic database, but they have mainly from home to the office, to the gym, to the shop and home, basically. If we have 100 trucks or 200 trucks in London, we will have the specific data for distributing to every shop. So we will have a unique data set for distribution traffic in the bigger cities. Our trucks will be basically running data generator. So we will have data from cameras and sensors outside of the truck, into the truck, the driver behavior, into the box, and of course the machinery of the truck for preventive maintenance, et cetera, et cetera. So with that data correctly matched with the weather data or seasonal data, et cetera, I think we can improve the distribution in our cities enormously for the benefit of our customers. Yeah, I could envision that data being a major source of innovation, not just for yourself, but really for logistics and delivery business generally for customers and retailers in terms of how to make progress and become more efficient in all sorts of different ways. Even having a big impact on food waste, for example, I mean, the food industry is obviously big taker of distribution traffic for inner cities. And for frozen food, the cold chain is very important. You cannot have basically a pallet of hamburger standing on the loading bay for half an hour in the sun in the summer. Then you have to throw it all away. By giving the data between the shop and the truck much more exactly, we can shorten these intervals and we can improve the efficiency, the economy, and also reduce waste. Well, listen, Carl Magnus, I've taken up much more time than we had originally said we would. So I want to thank you so much for taking so long to speak in such depth about your business, about Volta Trucks, the Volta Zero. It's a fascinating space, which I think is going to impact all of us over the years. Very happy to talk to you. And thanks for your good questions and your time. 
Well, that's our podcast episode. I want to thank our great McKinsey and Startups production team, Molly Carlin, Polly Noah, Sid Ramtree, Myron Shergan, and Katie Znamorowski. And finally, I want to thank you, our audience, for listening. We hope you will return for future episodes. This has been McKinsey on Startups, hosted by Daniel Eisenberg. We welcome your feedback, so please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Hope you join us next time for more broad global perspectives on the challenges and opportunities for accelerating growth. Thanks for listening.